Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Jessica Arts, Executive Vice President and CHRO of Viapath Technology. Jessica is a dynamic HR leader, bringing over 20 years of experience from the human resources and people operations field, where she's responsible for the strategic HR functions at Viapath Technologies, leading their talent acquisition and talent management processes, and overall strategic HR business partner support. Jessica joined the team at Viapath Technologies in 2016, following previous HR leadership roles at organizations such as Computer Sciences Corporation and General Dynamics Information Technology, where she spent four years as their Director of Human Resources, overseeing a $1.25 billion and 4,000-employee business unit. In her current role as CHRO at Viapath, Jessica leads the company's corporate social responsibility, employee engagement, and DEI initiatives, while also leading Viapath's reintegration and community engagement function, where she focuses on providing tools, resources, and support systems for individuals reintegrating into their communities post-incarceration. Having held a senior professional in human resources designation since 2011, while serving as a longstanding member of SHRM and remaining an active member of the World at Work Compensation Association, we just had to jump at the opportunity to chat here with Jessica today, share her personal HR journey, and also learn a bit more about second chance hiring and how that could be the key to teams unlocking a hidden talent pipeline and overcoming some of the hiring challenges that teams continue to face as we get into 2024. So without further ado, let's get Jessica introduced here to the HR Works podcast. Jessica, thanks for coming on the HR Works podcast and welcome. Well, thank you, Josh. I'm happy to be here. Well, we are happy to have you. It's great to have you on here with our HR Works audience. And as we do with any of our first time guests that join the podcast, we want to get you introduced and share a bit of your story. So if you don't mind, why don't you get us started with why HR? What was that initial spark that led you to building a career in human resources? Well, I actually didn't intend to start out in human resources. I think that happens to a lot of us. My undergraduate degree is in psychology, and I remember coming home. My mom was living in Martinsburg, West Virginia at the time, and I went home for summer, my junior year, and my mom's like, you have to get a job. I'm like, fine, fine. So I go to a staffing agency. At that time, it was on-site, which is now part of the Aerotech umbrella, commercial staffing, and I went in, and I was like, hey, looking for a job. And I was talking to the recruiters there, and they were like, I have a great personality. Did you ever think about being a recruiter? No. And they were like, well, why don't you try? So instead of like placing me at the Verizon call center and some other places to go, they hired me as a recruiter for the summer. And I did that for two summers. And it was really just fascinating. I love talking to people, as you'll see throughout this podcast. And I think there was something really attractive of getting a job spec from a customer, client, and then calling people. And saying, hey, this is the job we have. Tell me about your experience. And then matching them to that. And I was like, wow, this is great. So I did that for two summers. And then after I graduated with my degree, I had every intention. You know, I'm a psychology person, psychology person. I was going to get my master's degree in psychology and hang my shingle, start my spot, my own place. And that didn't quite work out. So uh, (laughs) I ended up leaving Wheeling because I got my degree in Wheeling, West Virginia from Wheeling Jesuit University. And I moved back home with my parents. And interestingly enough, I went to another aerotech and I'm like, I need a job. And they put me as a recruiter with an airline, which is no longer in existence, in Sterling, Virginia. 
and I just really stuck with it. So I, I mean, again, I, I love talking to people. I love making those connections. And I started in recruiting, as I think a lot of HR leaders do. And full transparency, recruiting was not for me. It was good, but it was just not what I wanted to do long term. And I was lucky enough to get positions throughout my career in various functional areas from HR. I feel like when you start in HR, there's so many areas. Right. It's wide open. It's wide open. So, you know, the more you can get exposure to these, especially early on in your career, it helps you make a, you know, this is what I want to do. And I learned that I wanted to do strategic business partner capabilities. That also ties in operations. You cannot be an effective business partner if you don't know the business. And I just kept taking on assignments and assignments. And you build your brand. People reach out to you. Um, they give you stretch assignments. And I was lucky to have some pretty phenomenal mentors. And that led me to taking my job here at GTO, which was GTO. We rebranded to Viapath two and a half years ago at the end of 2016. And here I That is brilliant. I love that story. I love that it started as unintentional, right? Yeah. It was coming home and taking a college yeah. job and then graduating school and going back home and then finding that opportunity of recruiting to learn, okay, maybe these are the fields that I like or this isn't the right fit for me. And then pursuing that. We don't do it all alone. Having those mentors to help you along that path to where you are today. That's brilliant. All right. Well, I really want to get into a great conversation today about second chance hiring yeah. and all the great work you're doing there. But let's start just sharing a bit more about your current role with Biopath Technologies. Tell us a bit more about the workforce that you currently oversee. Yeah. So Biopath Technologies, we have approximately 1,300 employees that are located in essentially every state across the country. Okay. We have both kind of a professional services side where we have, you know, our project managers, product managers, engineers, finance, those kinds of individuals. And then we have our non-exempt workforce, which are site admin technicians and our installation technicians and individuals who are actually going in on site at the various correctional facilities that we service. So for those of you who are not familiar with Biopath, which is probably most of your listening population, we provide technology solutions for incarcerated individuals and their support networks, whether that's their friends and family, whether that's the corrections officers and facility staff that are trying to you know, make sure that they stay safe on both sides and give them opportunities to get you know, resources, education, wellness to help them reintegrate into society. So we have about 16 offices that also includes our data centers across the country. I'm here, as I said earlier, in our Falls Church office. This is our corporate headquarters. And we have a mixture, I think, as along with probably most companies these days, that are uh, fully remote roles. And that was, a lot of those were done pre-COVID just because we have like roaming technicians that aren't really based in an office anywhere. They're just sitting and they travel places, but their home base is their, you know, their home. Right. Um, and then we have offices. So we did close our offices as most companies did whenever COVID hit. And we have slowly been putting together return to office strategies, which we implemented last May. And we did not go to full comeback. We are working on a hybrid. So three days a week in the office, if you're under this mileage, if you're over, it's two days and then it's one. And then if you're like 150 miles from the office, please stay home because that's just not productive for anyone. But yeah, so that's, that's what we do. And our team works hard. We're really passionate about our mission. It's not easy work, as I'm sure you guys can imagine, um, going into various prisons <laughs> across the country. But uh, it's important work. And it helps, definitely helps from a societal and social perspective. So that's what we use for our value proposition when we're trying to recruit and retain people. 
That is fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, Jessica. And yeah, you're really making an impact with what you're working on, which is so special being in the technology sector, but really impacting people's personal lives. That's right. And that's a brilliant part of, of what right. you work on there at Biopath Technology. Very impressive. And again, overseeing a staff, overseeing a team that is national, has national reach, not an easy task. So certainly well-versed in the flexibility that so many teams are becoming accustomed to now in this right. modern era, right? It's so that's much right. of what we talk about is teams becoming more flexible, having to understand how to balance hybrid workforces versus fully remote workforces. Right. Clearly, I mean, you guys were doing that prior right. to 2020. But now we're really jumping in that return to office conundrum that so many teams that they are grappling with. It hasn't been easy. I'm not going to say that it's been easy. Everyone's been like, yes. But, you know, I think there's also something to be said for collaboration sessions, sure. team building sessions. Yes, you can do them over Zoom. You can do them over Teams. But sometimes you're walking down somebody's office and you're like, oh, my gosh, I have this problem. And then you get four people together and they brainstorm and it's like, oh, we said the world. So let's get everybody on Zoom call. So, I mean, it's a balance. It's a balance. and. We're all working through it. Everybody is. And I don't think I found one person who said, oh, it was an easy process. It was a no-brainer. Each one is unique. Each one is different, just exactly. like everybody. The work style is now. But thank you so much for sharing that. Certainly, return to office is one of the trends we've been talking about a lot, especially yep. coming back in 2024 with the HR Works podcast. But one of the other trends we've really been paying attention to is the state of the talent marketplace. As we start to look at opportunities that come with second chance hiring, why don't we start with a broader scope and just look at the talent marketplace where it stands today? How would you describe the talent marketplace as we go into 2024? I mean, I'd love to say it's getting better. I can't really know if I can say that with a straight face. I will say, though, we do have more candidates applying for our positions and are able to source some more available candidates than we were this time last year. That's even more difficult in our industry for the population that, you know, are customer facing. Okay. Because your customer is not Google. Your customer is corrections facilities. So that adds another layer to our challenge because we are sending people into correctional facilities. Sure. So that's where I was, I mentioned before, our value proposition has to be really strong. And our value proposition has changed over the past few years. And it's not so much of, oh my gosh, here's our technology. It's more of what you're doing is helping individuals be successful in their lives. It's helping keep safety at the forefront in these facilities. So making sure the inmate on inmate violence isn't there and the inmate on corrections officer violence isn't there. I'm talking about our foundation, which we went live with a national launch of the Viapath Foundation in July of last year. That's focused on giving back to at-risk youth, a youth impacted by incarceration, aging out of the foster system, are just really, really poor economic conditions that limit their ability to get a quality education or resources. People love that. Candidates love that because we are doing a lot of things that I think a lot of companies that are larger than us, a little bit more well-known that aren't sending to prisons might not be doing. And being a little bit smaller at just the 1300, you're able to have more of an impact. Sure. Or those programs, because uh, you're not just like a number in a 30,000 person organization. So it is getting better, but it's still it's still a struggle. The unemployment rate is low overall, as you know, and it's getting lower. I mean, we have to pivot. Sometimes we have to say, okay, this position's critical. Even though you're located within an office, we're gonna have to let you work remote. Otherwise, we're not gonna fill it. Otherwise, we're just not gonna fill it. Or this one, okay, we'll give you this, which we typically wouldn't do, but you have to just continue to be creative. 
yeah, creativity is, is certainly ringing through as right. the central theme that so That's many right. teams have to look at as you're competing for talent um, right. in a challenging market. That creativity is, is key. I love what you touched on about emphasizing the impact you can make as well. And that's what so many, that's what we're hearing and just seeing in the marketplace too, is a lot of prospective employees are looking for where they can make an impact. That's right. And where they can be heard. You've got that unique advantage. And I love hearing that you guys are showcasing that bypass technology Uh to showcasing that advantage, that being a smaller team, your voice can be heard. You can have a say and you can make an impact on what you're doing. That's right. That's right. That's so smart. Are you seeing any just common challenges, though, across the general market that maybe organizations are dealing with as they're trying to fill roles and build out their teams going into 2024? So obviously, remote work, the return to office, that has to be, that's one of the main ones. I got to tell you, some of these candidate expectations have definitely skyrocketed. Talk about creatives. Yeah, right. For when you and I were like entering the workforce, we're like, just give us a job. Now they're like, no, no, I want this and I want this and I want this. I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, But but they're asking for that because they know it's a tight market. So again, that's where the flexibility comes in. I mean, people are still not feeling too good about the economy. And a lot of that plays into if they are employed and like, especially when you're cold calling into a candidate for a specific role and they haven't really applied, there's uncertainty there. Do I want to take this leap? Because who knows what's going to happen? And I have a good gig here and I'm able to support myself and my family, especially with, you know, the interest rates going up and down and all the other economic things that we're having. Do I want to do that? I don't know. And then we still struggle, as I think a lot of companies do, with just retention, trying to keep our workforce. All these things, as you can see, kind of tie together of what are we offering that is different or is, is a differentiator for other companies to help attract and retain and motivate so our employees stay and produce. Because um, you don't want them to stay if they're not. But to stay and be productive members of the company, you know, I think that's everybody's experiencing that as well. Right. And then building an engaged workforce is right. also going to create an engaging opportunity for new that's talent right. to come in. So that's you're right. They, it is very cyclical. It works hand in hand. That's um, right. And I think that's certainly an area where a lot of teams are focused now going into the new year of how do you create that engaging employee value proposition that's right. for both current employees and prospective employees. That's right. And finding those new ways that are unique and that work for you. And that's the thing that's most inspiring and so interesting to dig into is that everyone has a different approach and can yep. offer something differently. And it's really up to finding the talent that appeals to and keeping them and keeping them engaged. Uh-huh. Now, one thing I really enjoyed thinking of talent and find so interesting is the idea of talent pipelines. And oftentimes looking at just one direct pipeline and competition can be challenging. And the idea of how do you find those untapped resources? And that's where this idea of second chance hiring really stood out to me. And I want to learn so much more about the work you do there. Yeah. So if you don't mind, walk us through second chance hiring at a very high 30,000 foot level. What is second chance hiring? Sure. Second chance hiring is the practice of giving individuals with uh, a criminal record an opportunity for gainful employment and an opportunity to rebuild their lives. So what most people don't know, and really, if you think about it, they shouldn't, unless they're working where I'm working uh, or have been impacted by the criminal justice system, there are um, 650,000 individuals released from incarceration every year, Wow! whether from state, it could be federal prisons. Now, I'm not naive enough, and nor should any of your listeners, to think that all 650,000 of them want jobs. They don't, okay? That's just the nature of life. Um, but even if you have 
of those individuals that want jobs. You're still looking at a few hundred thousand employees, candidates. Sure. That shouldn't be overlooked. And that's more prevalent than most of your listeners and, and most people think. There are 80 million Americans in this country with a criminal record, whether it's felonies, whether it's misdemeanors. Have all of them been incarcerated? No. But we all know that with the applications that have uh, historically been used, yes, we are moving, and I'm, I'm happy to be a spearhead for the Virginia Chamber of Commerce and their ban the box initiatives. But when you check that box, yes, I've been convicted of a misdemeanor. Well, you're out. When you check that box felony, well, you're out. Um, and what second chance hiring is and what we're all about, why I'm so passionate about this is don't just say no. Okay. Right. Like you don't know what happened to somebody. You don't know if they were trying to protect their girlfriend at a dinner and something terrible happened and they ended up being incarcerated for 10 years. I mean, that could be the person sitting next to you at a movie and you don't know, you don't know anything about it. And we here at Biopath, we have 10 formerly incarcerated individuals on our staff. That may not seem like a lot, Josh, but I will tell you it's 10 more than most companies. I'm sure. Yeah. And I will also tell you that these individuals with this lived, it's called lived experiences, can really have a huge positive impact on your business operations. For instance, we have two of our individuals who were formerly incarcerated at two different Department of Corrections for 10 plus year sentences on our products team. Why? Because they were users of our product. Their wives were users of our product. Their family were users of our product. So better to tell us if our product is good or if it could be enhanced or what would make their lives easier than people who have used our stuff. Yeah, you're getting first-hand feedback. And they are such valuable contributors. I mean, it's a data point. It's a perspective that she'd never be able to get. You and I wouldn't have it. Right. And it has really helped us look at our products before we put them out in a different way of, okay, what really is the end user uh, on both sides going to experience? And is this the experience we want them to have? So we started a company called 2C, which is Second Chance in June of last year. We didn't call it Second Chance Workforce Solutions. That was deliberate. And it's deliberate because there is still a stigma, whether we like it or not, and I don't like it, but there is still a stigma with employers about hiring the formerly incarcerated. So I didn't want it in your face, okay? I wanted it to be subtle, but still loop into the brand for 2C, the mission for 2C, which is to put individuals who have lived experiences and have been experienced some form of incarceration with a job. Now, 2C is a staffing agency. We do temp to perm, we do long-term temp, and we do direct hire positions. We also do on-site management. So we will come to your warehouse and we will put a manager there and we will staff your whole place. That's brilliant. What was really important to me when we were standing up this company is to really be different from your average Joe Blow staffing agencies where like you show up, you got a 90 day or a six month workout period. You can't get benefits until you move to the other company. I was like, no, 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 no. And having those benefits and having those options is even more important to someone who's trying to get back on their feet after being incarcerated. So as we went through the structure, I was like, I want them to have benefits, the option for benefits on day one, 
like the rest of Viapath employees. Wow. I want them to have the option to contribute to a 401k on day one, like the rest of Viapath employees. We do not work with any employer who will not pay at least $17 an hour, okay? And if you think about it, our flagship office, where we're primarily located right now, Josh, is in McDonough, Georgia, not here in Falls Church. Otherwise, $17 an hour would not be what I would think of as a living wage, okay? Right. Pick an area where it's competitive. Right. Sure. But down in McDonough, Georgia, that's not bad. And again, that's the minimum. But we have employers that are 20, 25, 28. Can you imagine? I mean, we have people that have come into 2C. We opened the company in June. We have over 300 second chance candidates that have walked into our doors and talked to our recruiters and filled out applications. And 10% of those have been placed on assignment. That's not because the other 90%, you know, we chose not to hire them. It's right. a staffing agency. You know it as well as I do. They attrit sometimes like this. They fall out. So, I mean, a lot of them we called. They weren't available anymore. I got it. I got it. But the important thing is we have over 300 people that we can call up at a given moment and say, we have this job paying you $20 an hour and you get benefits and you can contribute to a 401k and you can take advantage of all the wellness tools we offer. Do you want it? We'll say to you, we have had people that have cried in our office, cried over the phone because everyone that they have talked to before us has said no. They've said, no, can't do it. Or I'll get back right. to you, which means they're not going to get back to me. And being able to give someone that hope and that chance and that confidence to be able to take care of themselves and support their families after they made a huge mistake. Gosh, is that fulfilling? Oh, I bet, right? I can't think of a better way to close up the office, go home with that wind at your sale. I know, right? Right. And and that 10%, that's so yeah. significant, right? You significantly change people's lives with those 10%. That matters. That's right. You're giving them a fair chance too. That's what's so inspiring. I know you call it second chance. You're giving everybody a fair chance. It's a fair chance. And we always say in our branding for 2C, it's a very diverse palette. And I wanted the hands. And my message when we talk to potential employers isn't, oh, they're looking for a handout. No, they're not. They're putting their hand up and they're saying, I'll work with you. I'll work for you. I want to contribute. Please give me a chance. Yeah. You know, Sherm is big on second chance hiring. They actually did a study a few years ago where they pulled hiring managers and HR professionals that had hired the formerly incarcerated. And 82% of the ones that were polled, the managers said that the people that they had hired who were second chance performed at or better than average candidates that didn't have any lived experience. So we use that too so as our value proposition. So we have two, I've got biopath value proposition and I have two C value proposition. Got a lot of value propositions. When we're trying to talk to employers, some of them say no. Some of them are like, oh, I don't want to do anything. No, no, no. And we have been able to turn around, not all of them, but some of them into at least taking one or two because we're that confident. Let them work. Please let them work. I mean, the two people that I told you about, of course, we have 10, but the two people that I told you about earlier on our product team, I mean, they're incredible. They are incredible. They are some of our top performers. And I use that story too, because again, I'm just trying to just give them a chance. 
Sure. I'm sure they have a different perspective on motivation That's than right. the majority of the workforce. They've got they've got a unique story. As again, we talk so much about diversity, equity, and inclusion as being so essential. That's right. You can't get more diverse and inclusive than looking at that second chance opportunity. I love too that you touched on getting away from yep. ban the box. Yeah, ban the box becomes so black and white in, in a space where everybody's got their own unique story and you're really leaning into that. And as you talk about the DEI, I mean, our DEI strategy, just take our ERGs. We have an ERG that is called Friends and Family Voices because we do hire individuals who are formerly incarcerated. And we hire individuals who have family members or loved ones who are incarcerated. So it was very important that we give them a safe space, whether they are impacted themselves or are allies to this population because it's germane to our mission. We also have second chance hiring goals in our five-year DE&I plan. But as you go to your DE&I, I mean, it, it fits in. You were spot yeah. on. Couldn't fit in better. It also fits in when you're looking at your ESG strategy because second chance hiring and everything that you do to support that is the S in social. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, I do our ESG here. I know that because I put it there, but it is. I mean, when you start looking at this data and you're like, man, 650,000 people a year, man, 80 million people impacted by incarceration. And then there's more statistics about how, you know, if they don't get a job, like most of the people, let's say 70% of the population that's released from prison every year, well, 50% of that's back in the criminal justice system within 12 months. Wow. That, Yes. And then there's like 25% of that that are reincarcerated within three years. But if you introduce jobs, if you get them a job, it goes like this. Right. Create an opportunity. They don't want to lose that opportunity. And what a social impact. And it makes you feel good. It does. I, I don't doubt it one bit. Thank you so much. I am so inspired just hearing that. But what are some of the major benefits that employees are finding when opening up to second chance hiring practices. I mean, we touched on them, but if you could break it down for our audience a bit, what are some of those major benefits? Yes. Yeah, so I talked about the SHRM study, but that SHRM study also found not only do they perform higher, man, are they loyal. They're loyal. They're focused. They're not looking to go anywhere else. So it helps with your retention issues. As I talked about before, it opens up your Canada pool. We talked about earlier in the podcast, everybody's right. struggling with finding people. It helps expand significantly. And there's talent behind that. Yeah. You're certainly getting unique experience that you're not looking at because you're checking a box that's totally disqualifying. That's right. And then like from a financial perspective, and again, most people don't know this because why would you? But, you know, $87 billion a year is the estimated annual cost to the economy. It's a big number for anybody. That is wild. We talked about the social. It does. It's sustainable. It provides phenomenal social impact. There's also something called the Workers' Opportunity Tax Credit, WOTC, which does provide for a tax benefit, I believe it's $2,500, for each incarcerated individual that you hire. Now, do I like to lead with, oh, there's a financial impact? No. But sometimes you have to. Sometimes these clients want to know, okay, well, I'm kind of on the edge, but I get a tax benefit. All right, I'll get the tax. Right. But that's profit, right? And this, right, when, when you can have a, a significant impact to your ESG strategy now, now you're talking in, in terms of bottom lines and in terms of, of something that can resonate all the way to the top of your organization. You're talking about something that your right. investors look at, that your lenders look at. If you're a PE, your board's looking at it. I mean, the portfolio companies are looking at it. 
And by the way, your candidates are looking at it. Your employees are looking at it. You want them to. Your stakeholders are looking at it. I mean, our ESG is prominently displayed. Our 2022 one. I got to do 23. So the list uh, is prominently displayed on our website because I want you to go look at it. Go see the great things we're doing to give back to our communities. What? Yeah, you can lead with that. That's right. Absolutely. So what are some of the misconceptions that accompany second chance hiring? The biggest one that we hear a lot is how do I know that somebody who was formerly incarcerated isn't going to come to my work site and start a fight or isn't going to be on the assembly line in my plant and injure someone? I'm like, really? So we have to educate them that like, seriously, you could have people working for you now that passed your background check eight years ago when they came, did something stupid. Maybe they took a leave of absence because they were incarcerated. You don't know that. And came back and are sitting right next to you. How do you know that? Oh, well, I don't. I'm like, exactly. So these people have paid their debt to society. I talk about how all the tools they have access to, if they're in a bypass facility, education tools, the anger management treatment, the substance abuse treatment, the wellness treatment, the parenting courses, they had access to all of this. Give them a chance. But they do. They, the biggest one is safety. Safety. The other one is they don't have the skills. Well, how do you know that? Right. Some, some of the, no, seriously, some of these individuals coming out had access to a laundry list of courses, certification programs while they were incarcerated. So a lot of times you're going to find a candidate that was a second chance candidate that is more qualified on paper and more qualified from an education level than your average candidate on the street because they, well, they had the time, but right. they had opportunities to, to get stuff. So the safety, they worry about, you know, oh, though you're just trying to do that as a PR move. Oh, it's the right thing to do. Right. We have a whole, let's call it a toolkit, basically how to get started. If you want to get started, these are some things you need to look at when it comes to second chance hiring, because we had to look at that, which are, you know, what are your policies? What policies do you have in place? We talked about ban the box. We don't ask that on our application anymore. I can't say ban the box, but we have a box. So I can't say that. But there are certain things like we have, and most companies do, have an adjudication matrix. If something flags on a background check for your average candidate, you know, they get an adverse impact letter and they get a chance to explain what happened. And then depending on what it is and what the job is, is it, is it going to work or is it not? Okay. Well, we had to modify our adjudication matrix because everybody's going to flag. So we have to look at it on a case-by-case basis. If somebody went to prison for embezzlement, you're not going to be hired as a financial analyst. Makes sense. Right. But I wouldn't do that here. At Viapath, we wouldn't do I mean, that wouldn't, that wouldn't pass either. From a compliance perspective, you have to really take a look at what policies you have in place. The other policies like code of conduct and unacceptable work employment. They need to stay because whether you're incarcerated or not, there are certain ways you need to behave in a company. Yeah, those are non-negotiables. Those are non-negotiables. But from a compliance perspective, background check perspective, you have to modify. You know, we talked about being creative, being flexible. You have to modify it a little bit. But then there are certain things, full transparency, that are non-negotiables for us. You did something to a child, we're not hiring you. Right. I don't want anything to do with you. Right. Uh, sex crime? Nope. And that's okay, say. Right. And, and on our clients, 
want to hear that it isn't a free-for-all, that we do have some guardrails in place because you have to have guardrails. Otherwise, you don't have any credibility. But if you're thinking about starting a second chance program and you're an HR leader, it's not an easy sell. It's just not. It easy, it's easy for me because it aligns directly with our mission. But most of you are not going to align it to your mission. You live it, you're passionate about it, and you see the impact. So you understand the value. That's right. That's right. So, so the things we've already talked about, it'll help with our candidate pool. Okay. We can get a tax credit. We can write it into our ESG report and our sustainability strategy. Um, but you have to also identify jobs that would be a good fit. And that's particularly important when you're dealing with, let's say, the GovCon world, which is where I came from. Almost every okay. one of my positions required a security clearance. Right now, these individuals, they are not going to pass a security clearance check. They're just not. Um, so that would not be the right role because that's a waste right. of everybody's time yeah, and it's deflating. If you're trying to put them through a process that you know they're never going to pass. Be realistic. That's right. Let's be real. Being realistic. So what jobs do you have? Back office jobs. Do you have administrative jobs? That's not the janitor job. There's nothing wrong with being a janitor. They're needed. But there is a perception that employers want to do the right thing with second chance hires, but they give them the bottom of the barrel job. Look, if that's all that you have available, you know, thank you for considering them and thank you for giving them a second chance because I'm never going to fault anybody for giving somebody gainful employment. But if you have something else available that doesn't make them feel like they're only getting that job, that's the only job open to them because of what they did in their past life, let's just take a look and consider it. I mean, there are certain steps. We have a step. We have a checklist. Um, it's not just like you wake up one day and you're like, I'm going to find second chance hires. Plus, you're going to find the candidates. Okay. There are different job boards. There's a company we work with that, you know, they, it's a fair chance friendly company. So somebody with a criminal record can go on to that job board and put their resume in. And then companies post jobs on there and they are not allowed to post jobs on there unless they're going to be considering somebody with a criminal record. Interesting. Um, yeah. But there's also, you know, we have a feeder um, with the facilities we serve. So we have the ability to go on site and talk to these people 30, 60, 90 days post-release and say, hey, what do you want to do, blah, 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 and try to get them a job. But for employers who are not doing what we do, there are re-entry organizations, nonprofit re-entry organizations in every single state almost every single county, that their job is to try to make sure people are positioned for success when they are released. So you can go with them to a facility. You can go with them to a transition house and say, we have these jobs. Are you interested? Okay. Or you could call 2C Workforce Solutions and we could find you the candidate. See, I put my little plug in. Well done there, Jessica. Nicely done. Now, look, for our audience members who may be interested in exploring second chance hiring as an opportunity to open up a new talent pipeline, where can they start if they're interested to work with you with second chance hiring? What's the best way to get in touch with you? They can just reach out to me in my email, which is jessica.arts at viapath.com. All right. Brilliant. And for your, your listening audience, this is a very important social topic. It can have really positive success on your workforce. 
and your business operations while giving somebody truly a chance to change their lives and support their family. So I will answer and talk to anybody all day long. I work all the time. Call me anytime um, because it's that uh, important. So, so well said. Thank you for that, Jessica. And we'll provide links to all those, those necessary touch points through our post on hrdailyadvisor.com. So be on the lookout for that. But again, we're here with Jessica Arts, Executive Vice President and CHRO of Biopath Technologies. Jessica, stepping back to look at your HR career again, what's the best yeah. thing you've seen come out of the HR community over this past year? Yeah, I think, um, and this is an extension of what we all experienced as HR leaders from COVID, but I think it really kind of hit a, a pivotal point last year, which I was happy to see, and we certainly revolved around it, is really a, a more focused approach toward mental health and mental health support resources for our employees. I think that's, that is critically important in any company, regardless of the company. But as I've said throughout this podcast, we send people into corrections facilities, okay? Not easy, yeah. That's a stressful job. People were already stressed out, as everyone knows, and scared during COVID. We were still sending our people into correctional facilities. Now we quarantined, but still, we saw a really big uptick in um, our, the utilization of, we have a called a health advocate service of our employees reaching out for mental health resources. And, you know, I really took a step back and I got with our broker and I'm like, we got to we got to offer some stuff here. So what are our options? And in the past two years, we have added calm.com, you know, yep. oh, yeah. calm that everybody sees membership for our employees. So every employee plus up to five members of their household can access those resources for free. We have added a second EAP, which is an enhanced EAP. Okay. It's called Aetna Talkspace, which actually gives our employees an opportunity to do this like a FaceTime visit with a therapist, three of them per year that we pay for. And we added care.com, which may sound trite. It's not. People are trying to work. They're trying to support their family. They could be supporting their parents. So anything we can do to help, um, help them simplify that, we pay for the membership, the monthly membership. They have to pay if they get a babysitter. But knowing that you don't have to pay that $40 a month, which is what it is every month that you want to use something is huge. Our employees have really rallied around all of these. Uh, as I said, we monitor our utilization and I'm pleased sure. with where it is because it shows that it that means something to them because um, they're using it. Yeah. Well, and I think the, the presence of mental health benefits have almost destigmatized mental health where, okay, it's available to, to me. It's widely used. I can use it as well. Because again, everyone's affected by mental health in some capacity. We've all have it. It's just how is it managed? That's exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's right. And, and the trend isn't where our employees are afraid to say anything to us. They're like, I need help. What resources do we have? And that's fulfilling. Because as you said before, three years ago, they wouldn't do that. They'd be like, oh, they would shuttle on themselves and nobody wants that. So being able to make it so it's more acceptable and actually even encouraged, which we do, to bring things forward. We have resources. We're here to help. Um, that really means a lot. That's so great. Do you have anything that you're looking forward to or you're excited about? Again, we're having this conversation in, in early 2024. So what are you excited about coming in HR or would like to see come in the HR community in the next year? Oh, my. 
That is. Call, a, let's make it a wish list. What's make it a wish list. list here? <laughs> I mean, I, I would like to see what happens with HR, with AI. I think there's a lot of promising things there that we as a team, as an HR function, could leverage. Yeah. So I, I'm excited to see what that is. And full transparency, I don't know enough about it, but it's everybody's talking about it, everybody's talking about it. So I'm excited to see. But the flip side of that is also making sure that, you know, where is it getting its data? We certainly don't want anybody making up false claims that would right. be devastating for like, you know, the credibility of your benefit programs. So I think I think that's just really fascinating. I don't know if I'm excited. I'm just fascinated. I love that. See, yeah, to see where that goes, because I think there's so many options. That's a common reaction. I think a year ago, so many of us were like, not a chance. That's right. we, were, we were very closed-minded to using and introducing AI. Now it's more exploratory. It's like, okay, yeah. how can I use this? Let's think about what this means and, and where there could be benefits and understand it a bit yeah, more. And yeah, I think that's, I'm excited to see that play out over the next year too, the application of it too, and really understand, okay, here's where it can help. Yeah, um, me too. And, and seeing where that takes us just as it's workforce. Super interesting. Now, looking back, is there something you've learned about yourself recently? Maybe it was over the last year or past few years that you feel has made you a better leader? I don't want to keep using the same thing. I think it's because I'm like a, like at my background in psychology. But the focus on mental health has really allowed me. And I mean, obviously, I'm the HR leader, so I need to be approachable. People feel comfortable talking to me. But it's really allowed me to kind of take a step back and be more empathetic to our employees. You know, yeah. a lot of times, you know, we got busy work, we got all this stuff going on, and somebody might bring something, I'm just like, oh, gosh, they're just complaining because they just don't want to work. Or maybe there's really something going on that we should look at. And that's something that I have definitely gotten better with. And I'm not a mean person, but definitely gotten better with, with the whole, you know, COVID and post-COVID. But it's also allowed me to help really coach our managers and the exec team because, you know, we're trying to get stuff done, get stuff done, get stuff done, um, especially in a PE environment, get it done. Um, but sometimes you're like, okay, we all got to get it done, but maybe there's something going on here that we should look at. Asking the question, yeah, what what's going on here? Yep, I, I think that's, that is so good. And do you have a piece of professional advice that you've leaned on throughout your career? that we could pay forward, that we can give yes. to our audience that they can now put in their back pocket and use going forward to help them out. I had a mentor when I was at CSC. He was phenomenal. And he said to me, the hardest part of being an effective HR leader is balancing the needs of the employee with the needs of the business. And if you figure that out, you're going to basically go places. It's hard because people look at you at HR, oh, you're supposed to be like the employees. You're supposed to be in my corner. That is not my job. My job is not to give you everything you want and be in your corner. My job is to listen. What's going on? Understand. But yep. we have a company. So there has to be a balance between what we do for our employees to the risk of the company, to the, the successful operations of the company. Because without the company, you don't have employees. And without employees, you don't have a company. And I pass that down because it sounds easy. It's not easy. It's really hard. I, I it's it, really though. hard. It's so good. Um, but, you know, as I mentor people on my team and outside of the company, that has stuck with me. It will always stick with me. And I feel like almost every single day when I'm doing something, or something hits my day, I'm like, we have the company. 
So how do we make them work? Oh, brilliant. And that is a, some great advice to pass on to our audience. Thank you for that, Jessica. Uh, that ties back to what you had mentioned at the start, too, the importance of That's understanding right. the business. And you mentioned that as you were getting your start in HR and, and learning the importance of really understanding how the business and the operations work to to lead to some success in an HR career. So That's right. Uh, That's right. Bringing that as full circle as we can here, but thank you so much. So again, here with Jessica Arts, Executive Vice President and CHRO of Viapath Technology. Jessica, thank you so much for joining the thank HR you, Works Josh. Podcast, spending some time with us talking about uh, something so impactful as second chance hiring, sharing that with our audience. Our audience had, took away as much as I did in this conversation, but definitely want to keep this conversation going with you. Now that you've been a guest on the HR Works Podcast, got to have you back on for more episodes in the future. Yep. Agreed. Well, I'd love to be back on. I appreciate your time. This was a lot of fun, Josh. And uh, to your listening audience, as as we said earlier in the podcast, I will talk and, and educate you and give you information about second chance hiring. Do not be afraid or hesitant to reach out. I'm here. And it really is something that it'll make you feel really good. Fantastic. Well, we are happy to be a platform to keep that conversation going. That's so right. Jessica, until next time, thanks for joining the HR Works podcast. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.